Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to this Mastering Life podcast episode where it is my immense pleasure to introduce a lady called Helena Goldstein. Helena is a spiritual mentor and she's going to be talking to us about a topic from loneliness to oneness. Helena, very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here and, and I look forward to having these conversations with you and our listeners. Okay, great stuff. So for you, for you dive in, Helena, and tell us a bit about your background, your story, your journey. Just give us an insight into that, uh, that title, if you will, around spiritual mentor. What, what does that actually mean? <laughs> That's a great question. Well, um, let, let me bring it in the context of my life. So, so I have, uh, like so many other people, I've had some very challenging uh, beginnings and uh, challenging youth. And, and because of that, I was at a fairly young age, so around 18, I was kind of forced by life to, to start, you know, addressing the, the immense emotional problems that I was, that I was facing. And through that, I, uh, you know, I work with therapy. I, I work with with uh, all kinds of modalities. Had some great teachers, and and as as often happens, you know, as we learn things about ourselves and find ways to to heal ourselves, we also um, have you know get an extra gift of helping others. And what started happening in my life, at, again, at a fairly young age, when I was in my mid-20s and 30s, um, you know, people started, you know, ask me to, to speak to them, ask for advice. So, 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 so I started to teaching, started teaching and coaching and mentoring people, sometimes within a, like a different context. At the time, I was teaching music, so I would kind of combine it and, and later on, um, as as strict coaching or mentoring, if you will, and and again, what happened kind of naturally without me planning is this this way is that um, that most of the people that 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 have been approaching me have been people who already have done some kind of inner work. Perhaps they were coaches themselves or, or therapists, or they have been doing some kind of you know spiritual. Uh, exploration without, you know, not religious, it could be anything, but just, you know, exploring the relationship with, with God or with universe or with the soul, whatever words feel appropriate. So, so, so it was kind of the people that came to me that, that in a sense defined my, my path as being a mentor for them, a spiritual mentor. Okay. Thank you for that. So if we can be allowed to, Helena, can we, can we delve a little bit deeper into your story because obviously I've had the benefit of listening to that and it's it's powerful to say the least. 
Are you quite happy to share that with the with the listeners? Basically, what we heard at the recent event, the Ignite event. Oh, uh, absolutely. Well, there are many stories. This this particular story. Um, well, let me kind of let me kind of feel into it. So the first memory is that that I would like to share with you is at the age of 15 where my parents are leaving Poland, which is my country of origin. And our entire family is, is in a state of, of nervous breakdown because we are leaving as refugees. We are leaving as stateless refugees and, and it's such a difficult place to be. And, um, and on top of that, I'm in my puberty and my relationship with my mother is just horrible and we're fighting all the time. And on this particular day, we're having another argument. And, and my mother is, you know, we, I have just this, you know, I, we, we don't really listen to each other. We're just fighting. And, and at some point she just says, you know, Helena, when you were a, a little baby, you would wake up smiling and you would go to sleep smiling. What happened to you? And I like, I, I go like, I don't even know what she's talking about. I don't know what baby she's talking about. It can hardly be me. And all I feel is that she doesn't understand me and she doesn't want me to be angry. She doesn't want to be who I am. And, and like, everything is so wrong. And I'm so unhappy. And then 15 years passed and I'm 30 years old and I'm on a healing retreat. And, and there is this, this healer that, that takes us into a very deep meditation. And she actually takes us to the very first memory in our lives. And, and she takes us deeper and deeper. And then suddenly, I am in a space that, that, that I don't recall having been in for all my adult life. I, but, but there it is. I'm, in a, I'm a baby, you know. I'm a baby. I don't have any words. I'm really like maybe less than one year old. And at the same time, I don't feel like a baby. I, I am in this field of love and wordless wisdom, if you will, and joy and connection. And whoever like shows up in my vision, my mother, my sister, my brother, my father, anyone else, there's just this love, endless love for them and from them. And, and I am them and they are me. And there is this, we are like complete oneness. And, and then she taught, then, then this healer kind of calls us back to our present reality. And as I come back, I realized that what my mother told me back then when I was 15 was true. I really was that smiling baby. And, and I, was, I was born into that, that experience, that field of, of love and joy and oneness. 
And we all are. We all are. This is why we, we're so happy when we watch a baby because there is this aura of joy and oneness around them. And, and perhaps the most important thing is that we lose, we lose kind of touch with it along the way. But, but this space, this joy, this oneness still lives within us. And there is a way back into it. One of the things that, um, and certainly last, um, the last time I heard you, or the first time, sorry, Lena, I heard you tell this story, uh, what struck me quite vividly was the fact that the, the, basically the word oneness, which by definition is a polarization from duality and I'm a great advocate of, of Rupert Spira's non-duality philosophy. And so what Spira talks about is at our source, who we really are, our true self with a capital S, not who we think we are in our human form, because that changes as we get older and we pick up more labels that society appears and our friends and, and everybody sticks on us and it starts to shape us. That's not who we are. They're just labels in that moment in time, influenced by that experience. No more different than sticking a plaster on a graze on the knee. You know, we've cut our knee at this moment in time, so we stick a plaster on it for this moment in time. Next week, when that he that wound is healed, we take the plaster off, um, and it doesn't define who we are. So I think the, over, the overriding thing, Helena, from, from listening to you speak around this word oneness is very much tied in with this philosophy of Rupert Spire as well around this uh, non-duality. We are one. And what he speaks about in, in terms of oneness uh, or non-duality is at our core true self, we are peace, we are love, and we are happiness. Does that, I mean, does that kind of run parallel with, with what you're saying? Absolutely. It absolutely does. And what what I would like to share, because there is a great reassurance in philosophy. There's a great reassurance in philosophy. Um, he is one of the of the voices of the that, that speak of, of oneness, and there are many others and different versions of it. But it is definitely a you could say a collective. Uh, insight, the collective wisdom that we are truly one. And the, the difference between knowing it and then experiencing it is beyond description. Yeah. The, and the essence for me is to remind uh, ourselves that the experience of oneness is not reserved for special enlightened beings. It does take inner work, it does take a journey, it does take an awakening to our nature, but it is absolutely attainable because it is our nature and because we have already experienced it as babies and perhaps in special moments even during our adult life. And when we have, when we are having those experiences, not just the knowledge, but these experiences of oneness, everything changes for us. Everything changes in our relationships, in how we approach life, and, and in what becomes possible for us. So, 
So it is uh, it is really a call for for us coming back to to our to who we really are and to our potential and to and to have a much more joyful life that we know that we that we even thought we, was possible for us. Certainly, one of the if I can be allowed, Elena, to to put this into some practical context of you oh, know, yes, my vision <laughs> um, for for the work and the vision I have. Um, my background, as, as listeners know from you know previous episodes, is one of addiction, of violence, you know, real, real dark, challenging stuff. And um, what my passion, my purpose is, is to reach out predominantly, but not exclusively, predominantly to the young people of our world, and I will say world, and give them some hope to to say, okay, so what experience you're having now doesn't define who you are. But my big challenge, I suppose, and you've already just kind of flirted with it there, Helena, is is to convey that nice, what some people call fluffy, idealistic, woo-woo, lovely way of being into the harsh realities of, you know, of, of practical everyday life. And, and I understand that. So when I'm talking to a young, a young person, for example, or a person, let's not, you know, let's not discriminate here, um, that's on the streets, you know, a person that's homeless, um, maybe suffering with an addiction challenge, etc. And I'm having these conversations and almost to a person, Helena, they come back and say, Paul, you talk about all this stuff, but I don't I don't understand it because it's a million miles away from from who I am and where I am. So I think, you know, I suppose the the insight that I'm trying to to gain here, Alina, is how do we bridge that um, you know, as spiritual warriors, practitioners, call it what you will. Um, but how do we bridge that from that, what we know from our own experiences, having made that journey to into consciousness, if we can be allowed to call it that for the, for the purpose of this conversation, from that very stark, brutal existence that, that I had and certainly many other people are still having? How, how, do, how do we make that transition? That's That's such a great question and a big question. And and I suppose the I, I don't know if we can find an answer, but we can we we can kind of explore it together. So so let me just just share a few things, like just what comes to mind. So one thing that comes to mind is that you know there is this Danish or was the Danish uh, storyteller. Her name was Karen Blixen, and I don't remember the the quote exactly. I don't remember her wording, but. In essence, what she said is that when we have a longing for something, that, that a deep longing for something, that the, the very existence of that longing is the proof of, the, of it being something real, something that we can achieve. And, and I believe there's, there's a deep truth to it. This is going to sound a little bit provocative, perhaps, but in my experience, many of the people that struggle with addictions, behind that, there is actually a very direct longing for oneness and not knowing how to reach it. Because I, I have been spared for that experience, but when I hear about other people having experiences with, with drugs, for example, uh, aside of the like 90% of the pain, there is maybe the 10% or the 5% of, of the experience that is 
like a shortcut to oneness, an experience of belonging, an experience of being in a, some sort of paradise. So, so they get like, like a short glimpse of what is possible. And then there is the very high price that is being paid in every possible way. But, but the essence of it is that at some level, we know that this is possible for us. But, but aside of that, I don't want it to, to, to look as something easy because it's not. Uh, I have struggled with loneliness for 40 years uh, before I, I had an actual breakthrough and was able to, to move into more directly into awakening or joy or oneness. I don't believe it needs to take 40 years nowadays, but it does take inner work and I and it must come in stages and I'm sure you know much more about it than I do Paul but but the first stage is really to uh, you cannot work with this if you're still uh, you know taking substances for example so the first step is to to address that the first step is to create a a fairly um a livable life, I guess. You need to create a a physical uh, and structure for yourself where where you can kind of breathe. And and the next step is then the the deeper you know emotional work, and uh, and that takes time. It takes help. It takes mentors. But the good news is that the mentors exist today. There have never been more coaches and mentors and therapists. Uh, and 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 uh, people that are ready to help than today. So it's not difficult to find those. That, that's one part. And the other part is that between you know the long journey from from being you know at uh, in this extremely challenging life, and then this 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 uh, from that perspective almost ideal life. There are there are like there's like a palette a rainbow of of different experiences so so as we get help already on the first stages we 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 improve you know that something becomes lighter something something uh, something becomes easier so it's a really a gradual journey um, and 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 glimpses of joy and glimpses of oneness can can happen at at any stage of this journey and 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 they do happen. I mean, I've heard stories from people that have been homeless or are homeless, and that they that have those experiences and share those experiences. So so it's not a black and white journey. It's but it is a journey, and perhaps the most important part of it is to reach out for help. What do you think, Paul? I think you've used a very very interesting. Um Couple, a couple of words there, Helena, right at the end. It's not a black and white journey because I, I, I draw back on my own experiences. And, you know, in my book, Emerging from the Forest, one of my books, I actually did a, uh, a chapter called exactly that, The Black and White Years. Mm-hmm. Because when, when you're rock bottom, life is very black and white. It was for me, certainly. And I think the trick... Or one of the tricks, if, if tricks is not the right word, but one of the strategies, one of the insights is the word I'm looking for. Bad language there. Um, tricks makes it sound like it's manipulative and devious. It's certainly far from that. 
Um, but one of the insights uh, as, as practitioners, as people to help, is the that introduction of a thing called grey in the middle, because that mm. is where the success is found in that in that grey middle area, that middle ground. It's called balance. You know, Mother Nature she relies on balance in in, in this universe. It's you know whether we understand the physics of life or not. Um, you know, if the sun apparently if the sun was um, one degree closer or something like that, you know, the, the, the whole planet would burn. You know, it's, it's a perfect, it's a perfect existence and that's called balance. And we don't understand that. But what I do understand from a more sort of earthly practical point of view is we do need balance in our life. Too much black and the world is dark and depressing and destructive. Too much white. I would argue that we're detached from reality but there is that middle ground called grey. And I think for me, that's where consciousness lives, because you can enjoy and endure, depending what the experience is, everyday life. But it is just mm. that it's an experience. And so you take the goodness from it or the badness. But more importantly, you take the learning, you take the learning from it and you move on. And for me, Helena, it encapsulates that living in the moment because whatever that experience is, whatever whatever happened, what we spoke about two minutes ago, ten minutes ago, whatever, it's gone. It's mm -hmm. gone. So for me, it is about living in the moment. And I use this analogy sometimes, and, and it's a little bit sort of, um, I wouldn't say crude, but I always say this. When we eat or drink, what we do is we take goodness, depending what the food or drink is, from that, what we put into our bodies. So we take the goodness. For goodness, read learning. We take the learning or goodness. What we do then, the stuff that doesn't serve us, we get rid of it. It's called waste. We go to the toilet. So for me, there's a great simplistic comparison there about life and, and what we do. Because physically, when we eat and drink, we take the goodness, the nutrients, the you know, the proteins, the calcium, whatever those uh, ad advantageous bits are for our body, and we get rid of the the rest. So, if we use that basic law of nature and apply it to our mind, why can't we take an experience, take the goodness from it or the learning from it, and get rid of the rest? Because if our bodies kept hold of stuff called waste. We die. So why does our mind do the same thing? Why do we allow our mind to become constipated then and keep hold of all that crap? <laughs> Surely we're dying then. Surely. And isn't the trick that what we're talking, I keep using that word trick and I really do, I self-challenge on that. Um, but this is sometimes, you know, the, the, the language I do use when I'm talking, you know, with, with, with some um, and I class them as friends. I, I hate the word clients. It's too corporate. It's too wooden. I think for me, we're talking about something. We're talking about people's lives. We're talking about their hearts. We're talking about their emotions. Um, but I, so I do use that word trick quite a lot. Um, and, I, and I do need to replace it with, with a, a more appropriate word. But, you know, that's kind of a, a semantics. Getting back on track, surely our, our role is to is to feed goodness to you know to our brothers and sisters around the world and you know they can take the goodness out of it they can raise their awareness in this gray area and the the, the darkness and the destruction of the 
the black ceases to be. Does that make sense at all, Helena? Absolutely, and and I and I do like that 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 you you know make it so practical and and it also you know inspired a few thoughts because one I I spend a lot of time in nature and I'm learning so much from it and and one of the things I'm I've really noticed and also have noticed in the past when I when I you know struggled a lot is that. In nature, nothing is perfect and everything is in all kinds of states. So if you walk through, you know, through a wood, you will see, you know, there are some, some things are, are, are growing and unfolding and something are dying and are broken. And, and all of it, all of it uh, is, is needed. All of it is the, the balance happens in the interaction between, between all those states. And, and there are two aspects of it that, that I would like to, to kind of uh, to, for us to, to, to notice. And, and one aspect is that even, I think it's really important, even as, as, as we experience something in us as badness, as you say, as, as unwanted or unneeded, even as we um, know that, that this is not something for us to hold on to. I still feel it's very important to appreciate that it has played a role in our lives. And even as we quote unquote get rid of it, it, it continues to feed growth, just like, you know, dead leaves uh, nourish the, the forest or dead branches nourish the forest and, and nourish new seeds. That's, that's one part of it. And the other part of it is, Speaking again of something very practical is that nature is a fantastic healer. Most people, when we spend time in nature, and this is accessible for most of us because nature could also just be a park. In nature, the experience of oneness is distinct. It's, it's really something that most people feel. So a way to support ourselves, even as we move through very hard times, and I've done that in, in my past too, is to simply spend time in nature. Because when you are there, you will your body and just your emotions, your, your, your mind will sense that innate oneness that is in nature. And at the same time, it's very easy to, in nature to feel that you belong, that you're just another tree, so to speak. You're just another tree with broken branches and imperfect colors, and, and still you are a tree, and still you have roots, and still you breathe, and it kind of helps us to, to fall into place and be more present, uh, as you say. And it is. It's about understanding that, you know, we are, I think, from an ego point of view, we get so wrapped up in our own self-importance and, and things and stuff of everyday life that oh we and it's we, we create our own dramas and that is a trait of human nature isn't it i mean we, you know i've certainly i did it for decades i clung to this victim mentality yeah but you don't understand my world you don't you haven't had to put up with what i've had to put up with and all that justification and 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 blaming and criticizing and lashing out and it was all based on fear because I think, you know, this is kind of probably taking it down a slightly different um, uh, course or a different path, Alina, but isn't it just a case, and I say just a little bit of devil's advocate in there, 
Because as you mm-hmm. quite rightly alluded to, it's not quite that simple. But isn't it just as simple as having the understanding, the awareness that we have a choice? We have choices in our world. And one of the biggest, if not the biggest choice we have, I, I firmly believe, and I want to be challenged on this by, you know, by world experts. But isn't it that choice of fear versus love? It definitely is, and um, it's such a subtle thing because we have we have a choice when we have a choice, in the sense that it, it this this is how our journey is: is that there are times when it feels that we don't have a choice, and then we move some to some kind of process and we grow, and at some point we become more aware, and at some point we become so strong that we have. We can make a choice and then another one and then another one. And and the way we are, as you said, we are so we, we constantly losing ourselves in, in, in our ideas of who we are and, and what this is, that we kind of forget ourselves again and again. And then we wake up to ourselves again and again. So we have choice, we lose the choice. We have choice, we lose the choice. The beauty of it, as I see it, I really see love as an ad- love, I said, but I meant life and love as an adventure that we, we, we are born on earth and the adventure begins. And as in every real adventure, the challenges are tremendous, but they are meaningful. And so the adventure takes us on our journey. And as we move through the challenges, we grow. As we move through the challenges, we, we become aware of, of what, what this, the, the adventure is about. As, as we move through it, we become, uh, we, we enable ourselves to make choices and then the next choice and the next choice and the next choice. I really believe that all of it is deeply meaningful and I really want to acknowledge, um, and I hope this, this comes out in the right way, I really want to acknowledge and appreciate Every human being, no matter where you are, no matter what you mean through, you move through, that this is a meaningful adventure and you are a hero in this adventure. You are born with, with some gifts and with some potential. And as the adventure moves you through and as you, as you uh, live that adventure and, and make choices when you're able to make choices, you grow and you become more and more free and more and more able to feel who you really are. And I totally, totally uh, resonate with that, Helena, to the point where I hear the term in society general, oh, you know, he's broken, she's broken. No, we're not broken. We're, we're not a machine. We might have lost our way a little bit. But we're not broken. We don't need fixing as such. We just need that gentle, you know, for me, the progression of life, the the evolution of nature is that, it's based on continuous improvement, something just a little bit moving forward each day. A little, just a t- it might be the slightest bit, but just a little bit of progress. And that progress can come spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, physically. It can be in whatever or an amalgamation of all of those. So I, I just kind of throw that in there, Helena, about this, you know, this perception that we're broken because, you know, we've got an addiction or... You know, um, the relationships broken down or, or, you know, the or the business has gone, you know, bust or whatever it is. Or, you know, I'm devastated. 
you know, and I know it's it might sound as if it's oversimplifying it, but the the stark reality is it's an experience and it's we're not broken unless we choose to be. And that brings in, you know, as I chose, I wasn't conscious of my choices. That's a different thing altogether. But I chose for to be a victim with my addiction. And and as I've said earlier on, you know, justifying it with the you don't understand. You haven't had to had to put up with what I've had to put up with and all that kind of stuff, which um, which obviously now I've moved beyond. So I think it's, you know, it's key that that people can try and understand or if they don't understand, then ask questions of people that are making these statements. Ask questions. Well, well, actually, do you know, I've, I've had it said to me, Helena, loads of times uh, and I'm no doubt. Yeah, but it's all right for you. You're sorted. Well, what does this what does sorted mean? Mm. What, what does sorted mean? I can remember being um, um, with one of the, the world's leading practitioners and somebody asked that question of him. Do we ever get to a place in a very, very strong spiritual leader? Do we ever get to a place where we are sorted? And he pondered for a moment. And he said. What do you mean by sorted? And before the person could answer, he said, I think I know what you mean. He said, what do you think? So he didn't answer the question. He put it straight back to the person that asked the question. Answer your own question. Do we ever get sorted? And the answer was, no, we don't. And he said, life is transient. It's an experience that comes and goes. What we learn to do, which I think is what you refer to be as being sorted through greater awareness or consciousness, call it what you will, is we learn to catch that challenge. So if something bad happens to us usually because most people understand that pain or pleasure polarization and people can more readily from my experience Elena resonate more strongly with a pain one than a pleasure one so if something bad happens to you the trick is to catch it don't let the mind get hold of it and and he, he likened it to like a uh, a weed in a garden because if you let that seed that that weed take seed in your beautiful bed of roses before long it's going to strangle those beautiful flowers and it'll do that to your mind so the trick is and i've used that word again to catch it to catch that have the awareness the consciousness that gray area to know what's going off actually that's a really bad experience but the key thing is it's an experience and it could be the loss of a loved one yes in time, I will get over. It. I will allow myself to grieve. I will allow myself to, you know, to to sh for this natural process of these emotions surfacing. And so, I think it's worth sort of putting into context. And I did put that into context way prior before I heard this um, this person say this, Alina, because I'm just be allowed to to um, to share a short story. When my grandmother died. I had two very, very, very strong, influential matriarchs in my life. No far, no positive role model father figure. Um, but the two real dominant loving forces in my life were my mother and my grandmother. And they were respons uh, responsible for the first sort of seven years of my life. And when my grandmother died, 
Um, I, to say I waged war on society because I was in the middle of my drinking and, and violence and to say I waged war on society would be an understatement, but it was fear. I was hurting inside. I was devastated. I was, I was lashing out. I was angry. I was emotional and I went crazy. It was essentially what modern day terminology would call a breakdown. Um, but somebody said something to me and I, I clung to my grandmother's death for years and I mean years. And somebody said something to me, Lean, after, uh, sometime afterwards and said, oh, bury your dead. What do you mean by that? Bury your dead, she's gone. Take, take the goodness of those memories and that's it. Let the rest go. And it's a bit like that waste analogy that I used earlier on, Alina. Mm. And so I thought, wow. And I was still in a fairly desperate place. You know, I wasn't nowhere near, you know, in this grey area of being sorted, if you like. Um, I thought, okay, so the next time I lose somebody, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to put that into practice, see if it works. And it was some, some considerable years later, and when my mother died, and she died on the 1st of October, she was buried on the 10th of October. And so when I got the news on the, on the 1st, when she'd passed, I'm like, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to do now. I'm going to have 10 days of grieving. That is it. And I will do whatever it takes in those 10 days. And I did that. But as soon as she goes in the ground, it's over. It's finished. And that's what I did, Lena, because I, I managed to to create a grey area, if you like, rather than it's black and white. She was here, now she's not here. Well, mm. there's far more to it than that. So I just share that to hopefully add a, a bit of sort of a bit more colour and a bit more context to this, what I believe is a very, very insightful and meaningful conversation. Mm. Yes. And it's, a, you know, as, as, as I hear you speak, there are so many, like, layers of it. Um, and there's something that I keep, I, I feel so strong. I really, really want to communicate, even if it's perhaps impossible in a sense. But the thing is that we move through life, uh, we tend to move through life as if we are alone, struggling with something that's almost impossible to struggle with and challenges are being thrown our, away and we do our best to, to cope with them. And what I have learned um, in various ways, like on a very like general level, you could say we are really never, never, ever alone in life. And life is always on our side. It is, can be very difficult to, to feel or understand we're in, we're in the middle of the struggle. And I know that words cannot communicate it, but I need to say it, that you are never, ever alone. And life is not coincidental and it is on your life, on your side, and it takes you on an adventure and, and, and loves you. And I also want to translate it into something very down to earth because when I speak with people, no matter who it is, no matter how hard life has been, everyone has had an angel in their life. Like you had your grandmother and there's always someone appears at some point who is on your side. And, and, these, and there are other people that are on your side around you. So it is really, really important to, 
understand that even as we lose our, you know, people that, that mean everything to us, even as we move through our greatest challenges, if you can reach out to and see the people that are there and reach out for help and, and remind yourself in whatever way you possibly can that you are not alone. Even if you just reach out to ask for a cup of tea or, or a, a simple conversation, it doesn't have to be complicated, but do reach out because you are not alone and whoever you know around you is there for you. Do reach out. And that is a very, very, very simple but powerful practical message, Yelena. So, yeah, thank, thanks for sort of, you know, bringing that uh, or concluding that way. Um, and concluding we are. So, I mean, other than that, that very powerful, as I say, that very powerful insight, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners um, generally, but certainly more specifically, Helena, that, that may be struggling at this moment in time? Maybe it doesn't need any more than what you've just said, but if, if you know, please feel free to, to share anything else that you feel might help. Well, to keep it simple, if I should give like one practical advice, make it a daily practice to spend time in nature and ask for help while you are in nature. Just, just do that. That's, that's a practical thing. And a more general thing is that whoever you see today as, as someone who, who, you know, who has an easier life or who is a coach or who is a therapist, they come from something as challenging as you. And what I mean by that is, is that they're not like better people than you. They're not uh, more lucky. Uh, they're just on a different place in the adventure, you yeah. know? So, so really, I, I want to honor everyone for exactly where they are in life and, uh, and know and, and hope that at some level, at some times, you know that you are loved, that you are supported, uh, and you are moving on in your adventure. You are not stuck. And we really are one in all this. We really are one in all this. Superb. Okay, Helena. Um, I'm just having a moment to pause and reflect upon that um, very poignant statement. How can we... How can people get in contact with you, Helena? Should they should they feel the need to to reach out to you specifically? For example, have you got a website? Um, have you got a point of contact? Yes, absolutely, and and everyone is welcome to contact me. I have a website that's called that's with my name, so it's halinagold.com. H A L I N A G O L D dot com. And when you go to this website, you can see what what I do, and there's also a a contact form so feel free to reach out if, if i can be of any help i will and thank you okay so listeners um quite a poignant one um very thought-provoking and um as, as i conclude with all all the episodes with you know from uh, from the guests that um you know give their love and their time to share their insights and their experiences um i can only sort of say hope that's been useful there's some value in there and yeah there's there's not really much else to say so uh thank you for listening and until the next time take care 
and keep loving. Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success.